Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, again, we have special guest Rick and Julia of the Mad Max Minute. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Hello. Woohoo. So, we are glad to have you on today, because we are, we're getting some good chasing here. Oh, this is such familiar territory, and it's so <laughs> nice to be here, because <laughs> we've been covering Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome for so long, and that is the Mad Max movie that is painfully devoid of car chases. So it's nice to be back out on the asphalt with a couple of vehicles driving at high speed, trying to take each other out. It's, ah, uh, it brings us back to season one and two of the Mad Max Minute. <laughs> Good, yeah, that's that's why we have you here this week. And in particular today to talk about Minute 62. So Dave, wrap it up or summarize it, whatever, Minute 62. Package it up, get it to go. All right, yeah. so... <laughs> So, yeah, while Phil's driving out of town, Larry is relishing the idea that Phil has snapped. And now that, uh, we drive toward the limestone quarry. Uh, and Connors doesn't even mind. He'll let Punxsutawney Phil have a turn at the wheel. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And this is um, in- interesting. Some of the things. One thing is, uh, well, Danny Rubin, in his annotated screenplay, says that all this stuff from Bill Murray's improv, that they didn't script any of these lines, this, this you know, not bad for quadruped, quadruped, and, you know, check your mirrors and that stuff, that's just Bill riffing with the groundhog. And the groundhog himself does a little riff here. This up on the steering wheel thing, they weren't sure what they were going to do, <laughs> how they get the groundhog into the scene. Is he sit, you know, would he sit on the seat or what would he do? And uh, Ruben says on set that the, the groundhog just naturally climbed up onto the steering wheel. That this is, <laughs> they didn't have to, you know, there, there's no, for the PETA members out there, they didn't like staple the paws oh. to the steering wheel or anything like that. They said the groundhog just naturally climbed up and, and did that. So we get this great shot um, about 20 <laughs> seconds in where we just see. You know, Big Phil with Little Phil on his lap. It's like a, you know, like a father and a child. I think a, a lot of people say they have memories. Their first memory driving is like sitting on a parent's lap and the parents let them, you know, they get to steer a little bit. So this is uh, Big Phil and Little Phil, little little bonding time in this minute, which is nice. At just at the, even in the first second, we have this cool like POV of driving. And I, for for Rick and Julia, I think when they went to the the to the to the uh, side mirror to look back, I think in, in, in my mind, like they probably like for a moment thought there was gonna be a couple war boys like chasing. <laughs> I'm like, oh no no, wrong move. They're like, wrong movie. Oh oh boy, I, just, whew, I thought I saw something there. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> expect to see like Wes pulling up behind him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he got the groundhog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we get a little a point of view from from Phil, and then a little point of view from from I guess from I can't tell if it's Larry or Rita, probably Larry from their van, and we see Phil's kind of weaving back and forth to make sure no one can get ahead of him or or beside him, because then they could kind of cut him off and end the chase. But the the tension is building. Gosh, I mean, 
All right, so yeah, look at look at Larry's face here in the first few seconds of the minute. I mean, I I mentioned here that he's relishing it, but I mean, he is like ear to ear smiles. <laughs> yeah, we we kind of started. We t- we talked a little bit about it last minute, but we get a lot more of it. He had a little bit of a grin when he was putting his seatbelt on, kind of a hint that you know he's not entirely just worried about the either the person or the animal, Phil. But here he is, yeah, he's smiling, the eyes are, are wide open. He even says, this ought to be good, in case you haven't picked up on any of, the, any of his body language. Well, he, after so many years of having to film groundhogs and what, <laughs> what are the birds in Capistrano that return every year? Sparrows? Swa- yeah. Or swallows. Sparrows, swallows. Something like swallows, that, yeah. yeah. Like, this is finally something super exciting and not nature-related <laughs> that Larry will get to film. Yeah, this is some like Pulitzer material right here. You know, the the snapping of a weatherman. <laughs> so I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you're looking at it from Larry and Rita's perspective, you want Phil to be lashing out at the universe as this crazed and furious man. But then the shoe drops once you go inside the truck and it shows off that Phil isn't really angry at all. Hmm. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I guess it's just it's it's he's got oh clarity is that the word I'm looking for? <laughs> is it like he thinks that like oh this is it like this is the plan everything's falling in right like because yeah you're right he was we were looking at yesterday's minute he just looked like just you know just this like guy who's lost it all grim and dark and brooding. Hmm. Yeah, well, and I think that supports the theory that this is new. That, that, that Phil has not been through this before because we when we saw him this morning do you know on the gobbler's knob and when he um, when he's first approaching the the truck he is obviously unhappy he looks horrible he's got the weight of this repetition in this loop it's finally getting to him and he's cracking but when we when we see him in the car or in the truck when he's driving, I know. I don't know. I wouldn't say he's happy. You know, he's not laughing, not even laughing maniacally, but he just he seems much less miserable than he has been. So that kind of gives me the impression that, oh, this this is at least this bit. This is something different. This is something he hasn't been through before. And, you know, yeah, in this point of Phil's existence, new and different is almost by definition good. Just anything different, anything Mm -hmm that he hasn't been through a hundred times already just for the, just the, the pure sake of newness is good. So he does seem to be interested and engaged in a way that leads me to think that, yeah, this is, this is maybe his first time. Um, and I do want to say this, I think this is the first hint we get of just how cute this groundhog is <laughs> with his little ears <laughs> You know, and his little his little snout and his whiskers. He's hanging on. We see the little paws on the the steering wheel. And I'm I I'm kind of disappointed through between uh, Rubens Danny Rubens notes on his screenplay and then the um, the director's commentary on the DVD from Harold Ramis. Neither of them comment on the chewing that little Phil is doing that his mouth is going. I don't know if that's they, you know, Ruben did say that it was natural that the, the groundhog did just hop up on the steering wheel like that. 
but he's also um, his mouth is going and he doesn't say like, I don't know if they gave him a little bit of peanut butter or something. So it makes <laughs> it look like he's chatting with Phil. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I wonder if they, they probably make good pets. I'm thinking it maybe you can, uh, you know, I don't know if they can be litter box trained groundhogs, but uh, I mean, unless you have hardwood floors that those uh, those nails are going to scratch up. But other than that, they're probably nice to have around the house, I'd say. Julia, you look like you were going to say something. I was wondering a little while ago if this particular groundhog was trained at all or if this was just a groundhog. This is a, an actor groundhog. that yeah that's a good question so i do know they did have a groundhog wrangler on set (laughs) and if you think back to uh certainly the first scene on gobbler's knob or any of the scenes where we see them actually pulling phil out of his stump and holding him up that there's only one only one of those officials on stage actually handles the groundhog um, directly when he's not in a cage and that's that was like a professional wrangler like an animal guy that they bring in okay but um yeah i don't know I, yeah i don't know what training the the groundhog has gone through or how much you can train a groundhog i mean i'm guessing it's probably similar to a cat or a dog i mean it is a mammal of that size and yeah. and intelligence you probably can do do some some training or at least some some taming because I think I know there's I've I've had uh in the past groundhogs that you know that lived by me or near me and there's actually a groundhog that lives near my office that I see all the time. But if I try to approach them they run away. So yeah, I think they definitely they're... need to be trained not to fear people. I think they have a very healthy <laughs> yeah. avoidance um um avoidance practice yeah i mean they're they're i guess they're vegetarians they eat grass and and maybe insects and stuff but i think they're lower on the food chain so their natural reaction to uh to larger animals is i don't want to be lunch and they run away so (laughs) at the very least there's must be some acclimation that this groundhog is not completely freaking out to be this close to bill murray though it's then again, it's this is not just another human being. This is Bill Murray, so it's <laughs> yeah. probably a very exciting moment for this <laughs> groundhog. Well, I I think I honestly think you know he's making fun jokes here, but I do think that Phil Connors, in his mind, he like he's like he's enjoying taunting this animal that he may think is behind it all. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the 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 groundhog does get a little bit of uh, revenge, um, and I think it's at least so. Um, I'm sorry, let me start that thought over again. The groundhog does get a little bit of revenge on on Bill. He did bite. There are a couple bites. And uh, <laughs> Ramus says it even bit through the glove wow. that uh, that Bill Murray was wearing in these scenes. Although I don't know. I don't know how seriously we can take uh, Ramus's commentary because then he says he thinks that Bill had to get rabies shots. And I would think, again, like, since this is a groundhog that came from an animal handler, like, this, they didn't just catch a wild groundhog. Like, this guy has, I, I don't know. Like, I would think they would check out the groundhog to make sure it doesn't have rabies before they put it in the cab with Bill Murray. 
Yeah. So when yeah. Ramis says that he thinks Murray had to get shots, I, I think he's kidding. I hope well, he's kidding. I don't know. Maybe it's something you got to keep up on. You know, maybe Bill wasn't up to date on his shots and the doctor <laughs> on set was like, you know, it's been, you know, yeah. seven, ten years since your last rabies booster. Maybe we should <laughs> give it to you. Wait, do people get rabies boosters like a tetanus shot? Or do you only get it when there's a when you've been bitten by an animal? I'm not sure. It's probably the latter, though. Yeah, I think it's. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm. I don't think it's part of your usual shot regimen. I do know. Yeah, something like a tetanus shot. You're supposed to do. I think it's every ten years that those yeah, they wear so. out, and and you need to do it again. I know. I I was traveling internationally a few years ago, and I got I got shot everywhere, like. Both arms, both buttocks. There was like just a line of needles that the doctor was waiting to give me before I could leave the country. Jeez. So, uh, and I, I don't think rabies was one of them, but I'm pretty sure tetanus was. But okay. uh, yeah. So, so I, so it, so going back around to the original question of how trained is this thing? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it was born in captivity and it's acclimated to people, but it's not so trained that. It's not completely trained. Yeah, it's probably not Royal Shakespeare Company, but it's at least mm-hmm. Second City. <laughs> like Second City, maybe yeah. not main stage, but pretty close to it. Yeah, second stage. Um, so then around, so the, the chase goes on. It's uh, still, it's, it's, it's Bill in the Ute, and it's the, uh, the Olds 88, the cop car, and the weather van in pursuit. And then around, what, 45, 46, 47, we get Phil busting through the gate of the quarry. And I like that we see the a little bit of consistency that the grill on the pickup is is busted, as, yeah. Oh, yeah. as, as it In should house. be, busting through that gate. And then it'll, it'll stay busted through the end of this scene. So they got that little bit of continuity right. I mean, I tell you, he, I still, I, he definitely has, he definitely did some vehicle training, like in his days, mm-hmm. to like be able to like manage on this dirt road with this pickup, um, those swerves and stuff. You well, know, how without, much without, of, without without hitting any of the equipment around and stuff? Well, so how much of this driving do you think Bill Murray is doing? Obviously, the the close ups where we see Big Phil and Little Phil in. The cab, that's Bill Murray. No, I'm talking the, about Phil Connors, is what I mean. Oh, Phil Connors. Yeah, no, oh, no he can, no. yeah. Yeah, Phil, as I say, Phil Connors, I think, in his boredom days, you know, I mean, like, he got, he had and he had a nice, you know, testing of the town when he was, uh, when he was driving the drunks around against the police. But, I mean, that, that's a really good fishtails, I'm saying. You know, the, the, the pull out, he takes that turn going, like, you know, pretty fast for a dirt road. Oh, it makes complete sense to me that he would go out in a car that he either purchased using the <laughs> stolen money out of the back <laughs> of the truck or just, that he just lifted somewhere. But, I mean, you're out in the middle of nowhere. Go out into the country. Go out on those dirt roads. You know, Practice your extreme driving. Do some fishtails and burnouts and whatnot. Yeah. It's like we said earlier. Anything that is new is novel and enjoyable to fill as yeah. long as it breaks that monotony. Yeah, it's like um, he's. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not putting it as diabolical as, but it's like Stuntman Mike, where Stuntman Mike wanted to get more thrill. So for Stuntman Mike of Kurt Russell, he had to have, he had to kill somebody in his car. 
So for <laughs> Phil, it's like he's yeah he needs a, he needs a thrill. He's not getting any thrills now. He's met everyone. He's talked to everyone. He's 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 looked everyone. So now he's uh, he's like, all right, I'm gonna white knuckle drive around to try and feel something. Yeah, he's and he's definitely going for it here with this this chase. So yeah, it's a little bit of excitement for Phil and Phil and for us. <laughs> and, and then and then Buster they park they park the, they they blockade the road. Buster gets out, puts his top hat on. <laughs> that's how our minute ends. Just that's our last shot is Buster getting his top hat on. Well, you've got to get the top hat on. It's yeah. part of the uniform. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, the ground on Function Twenty Phil. He'll recognize me if I wear my hat. <laughs> <laughs> come, come, Phil, come to me. There's probably rules. There's probably, you know, like the like the people that play characters in Disneyland. There's probably something about being a groundhog official and being seen out in public without the top hat. You know? <laughs> Maybe you, you lose your position that way. That oh, gets wow, you into yeah. trouble. So you want to be on the safe side. Open up a spot for that uh, kid back in town. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the uh, kid, that's it, it, the kid right there is driving. He's got to look good now. He's a good role model to the kid. Right, yeah. And the kid's it. like, oh, man, I, I'll help save Phil Groundhog. Like, I'm going to easy, I'll easily be in for next year. He'll be a shoe-in. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, shoe-in. I'll be a shoe-in for it. Oh, yeah, you you, you help save Phil. You, oh, boy. <laughs> you're absolutely in. And then when we see when they come to the stop and the cop car kind of pulls around sideways, blocking the road, we clearly see the hood ornament. We're back to the Caprice Classic. So weird. No one caught that. Yeah, that's it. Movie's no good. <laughs> no, no, the movie's still good. <laughs> I like that the cop car is the only one who stopped with any strategy in mind. Yeah, so walking the way out. Right, right. Yeah, that's funny because even yeah, as and Buster says, there's no other way out. Just the way we, you know, we've we've got him trapped. Or no, that's right in the. I'm oh, sorry, I'm looking ahead. That's right at the beginning of next minute. But so as as we'll see next minute, Buster knows that they need to block this route. But also, well, Buster wasn't driving. It was the kid who was driving and Buster pops out the the passenger side. But yeah, the, the cops are thinking it's that atten- attention to detail that makes that that Punxsutawney is known for. <laughs> um, so so, Julia, you've said um, when we start out this week that you're, you're a fan of this film. So what's what's your history and Rick? What do you think? When did you first see the film? Did you grow up with it? One of your favorites? Do you watch it every year on on February second? I grew up with this movie. Uh, what year did this movie come out? Ninety three. Ninety three. So I would have been twelve. So it would have been one of those movies that we went to Blockbuster mm-hmm. on a Friday night, picked up movies for the weekend. It would have been one of those movies. And it's it's one of those things that's always been there in my brain. So mm-hmm. I can't remember the first time I saw it. It's just always been there. And it's always been beloved. But Rick, we, were, we watched it the first time together when we were first invited or right before they started recording for this show. 
Yeah, I did not grow <laughs> up with this movie. I actually saw several other Bill Murray movies before finally getting to Groundhog Day. I think I even saw Stripes before I saw Groundhog Day, just because it's not something that I specifically sought out. Right. Mm-hmm. I am one of those kids who got a lot of exposure to cinema through the tele through local television mm-hmm. that would show movies on Saturday and Sunday afternoons because they needed to fill time because mm-hmm. sports weren't showing and they needed to have something broadcast. And so that's where I first saw the Mad Max movies. That's where I first saw stuff like Predator and Commando and got exposed to all of these things. Caddyshack, for instance. And they were all edited down for television and I just never caught Groundhog Day. It just skipped by me. So when you guys were starting up this podcast, that's where Julie and I sat down for the first time and she got to have her surprised reaction to learning that I had not seen another classic movie that literally everybody has seen before. (laughs) (laughs) But that's kind of, that's good. I think it works out for us so we can ask you the question about does, does it hold up? You know, how much when I always I'm always a little bit concerned or I wonder when I look back to this great movie that I've seen many, many times over the years, how much you know, how much is this really a great movie and how much is just nostalgia for my younger days? So seeing this movie for the first time recently, does it hold up? Did you like it? Is it a good movie? Personally, I feel like it does hold up just because of the strength of its main cast and the fact that even though other people have done Groundhog Day type stories, mm-hmm. you the one I think of off the top of my head is the movie is the show Supernatural, where they did a Groundhog Day style thing, but it's constantly one character watching the other character die, mm-hmm. and then they wake up the next day and it's all repeating. But it's nice to see the original. And the original, in my opinion, is done so well that it opens the door for copycats. And I'm trying to think of something that doesn't really work with our modern sensibilities. And the only thing I can really think of is the scenes that immediately precede this week where Phil is starting to get a little frustrated with Rita in his personal conquest, to say to uh, put it that way. Yes. That part gets really uncomfortable to watch with modern sensibilities, but everything else works pretty well, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And we've had some issues with some of these minutes that, um, yeah, I think when, when the movie came out, there was an idea that physical force was, you know, was kind of a necessary component of a certain kind of assault. And what we see in the movie is a lot of deception. And it's, yeah, yeah, that we're a little more sensitive to in personal relationships, pretending that you went to high school with someone and digging into their past to sort of make them believe something that's not true. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not physical assault, it is a kind of assault. It's an emotional manipulation, and I find mm-hmm. it interesting that following Phil's string of failures in trying to emotionally manipulate and assault Rita, that his next course of action is to do what we're seeing this week. And I have to wonder, Ooh. is that his frustration with the universe, or is that his frustration with himself, where he's finally realized what he's been trying to do for all this time, and the realization 
is in part saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to kill the hedgehog, but maybe I also need to kill myself. And when I said hedgehog, I meant groundhog. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know. We know. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, with the yeah the sensibilities we have now and stuff, it's yeah, it's like oh, it is. It was hard to you know watch and analyze those minutes, but it's like it's like you you need it there in a way that like you need him to be the most horrible person possible. So you know, because this man's gone, he's gone from manipulative to insane to 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 rock bottom. Um, so that uh, yeah. So that, uh, so <laughs> that, you know, that. his, his upward turn feels honest. It doesn't feel like he's trying to con us. It, it feels like he's actually trying to become a better person. Whereas, yeah, f- whereas everything else feels like experiments that when we start to see that in the later half, you know, later part of this movie, it feels honest that he's, he's working toward being a better person. He's finally got it to figure it, figure it out. Yeah. I think next week specifically is more or less Phil Connor's repentance for mm-hmm. all of the salacious things that he's done in these time loops leading up to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I certainly agree that I, I think it holds up well, even if, and, and the things we look different on, it's not, you know, that there are things that Phil was doing wrong then, you know, even, you know, the, our perspective and the way we look at certain things ha- have changed, but it wasn't like, oh, it was good then, and now we think it's bad. No, it was bad then. It's just a different kind of bad now. And even on the the technological front, one of the things that I hear people talk about is, oh, this old TV show or this old movie, if everyone had cell phones and smartphones like they did today, then that could never happen or you know, they would quickly resolve the thing. But this doesn't depend on – I don't know if there's anything here that gets resolved if you give Phil Connor a smartphone. Like, right. Okay. Well, there so would still yeah. be a there would still be a blizzard. Right. There would still be communication issues. If the satellites can't be reached, then you better bet that you won't be able to call outside of your area. I think the only thing that would really change is if they had Wi-Fi, because Wi-Fi is all cables. Wait. No, wait, wait, wait. Even if he had had a cell phone or long distance or whatever, it, what would that have changed? His ability to call Pittsburgh. And what would that have changed? That's 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 what me and Sean have been d- discussing. Yeah, I mean, if, it, if it's not snowing in space and he's able to get a sat phone somehow to Pittsburgh, what they're going to say? All right, look, just stay in the town. The blizzard's bad. We can't get any roads going. I mean, that's all they're probably going to tell him. Like, it's no way he's going to be able to call an Uber or a taxi to pick him up in some in some backward town uh, in the middle of Pennsylvania. He's still stuck there. There's no way out. Yeah, I mean, before he walks the way, (laughs) I mean, maybe it changes some things instead of having to rob a bank to have the thousand dollars to pay for a music teacher. Maybe he's just watching YouTube videos to learn how to play the piano or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, but but it's not like he's you know, he can't leave town, but it's not like he's lost. It's not like, well, he's got ways and GPS, so he'll be able to find his way home. No, the town is still going to be snowed in, you know, those kind of things aren't going to be changed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, when we're showing, we're showing, you know, we watch these minutes of him kind of going crazy and him kind of kissing Rita goodbye. You know, it's one of those things where you think about is, all right, imagine, right? Imagine, Rick, Julia, imagine this right now, that one of you got into the fight with the other. You said a horrible thing. The other person is horribly upset 
And, you know, you see them now very upset because of what you said. And now you feel guilty. And somehow your ability is to rewind to the beginning of the conversation. And knowing how bad they felt and the horrible pain you put them through, you go, let's have a nice conversation now. And you have a beautiful conversation with them and they're happy. And But like in the back of your mind, that memory is still sitting there of you seeing them and that horrible pain that you put them through. And it's like, now imagine that a thousand times. It's like a thousand memories of all the horrible things you did, but they're almost false memories now because they've all been wiped. And that's just sitting in Phil's head, you know? Like, I think that, you know, I mean, like, it's like we, you know, like, he's done all these horrible things to all the people of the town. And maybe that's another reason why he's like, I gotta, I gotta stop this because I can't live with these memories. I think that's something technology would have changed. Access to a better therapist. Because this man <laughs> oh. needs therapy. Yeah. Desperately. Oh, yeah. And the best one in town <laughs> is this quivering, nervous mass. Yeah. Come back. That I can't remember if we've met yet or not. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he was early in okay. the film. The, first, the only thing he really could say is, I think we should meet tomorrow. Like, he listens to everything <laughs> Phil says and he goes... I think you should meet tomorrow. So it's like, oh, yeah, you, you don't know. You don't even know where to start with Phil. Yeah, what Phil needs is the piano teacher, except in a therapist, that every day he can walk into that therapist's office and get a little bit of help yeah. and make small improvements and slowly figure things out day after day so that by the end, he's a master pianist. Mm -hmm. So baby steps is what you're saying. Exactly. Yes, but he, he can't get baby steps from that guy. No. <laughs> but if he could yeah. call his therapist back home, mm -hmm. or they have online therapists that you can text with now, if he could get <laughs> a little bit of they help, do. of course they do. <laughs> you can text anybody and get any kind of help now. I mean, in, in a good way. Honestly, if you, 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 know, you were in a bad position emotionally, rather than going on Twitter, go, texting that friend that you want to rip apart, you, you talk to the therapist and you said, I want to say this because of these emotions. And then they talk you back and say, hold on, let's walk through why and how so you don't make a horrible tweet about this and that, you know? So, yes, there's definitely a benefit there. Do those people exist, the people that will walk you back from a tweet? Because I can think of one <laughs> individual in particular that could use someone yeah. like that in their life. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah just if you gotta vent on your phone to your therapist before you make a horrible public post that 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 can hurt and offend i think you should take you know take the opportunity to do so yeah groundhog minute groundhog minute yeah so that's <laughs> that's what i had for minute 62 rick julia you got anything else i don't believe so nope i'm good uh, ba -da -ba 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 -ba. oh so Phil tells little Phil not to drive angry. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's good advice because when you drive angry, that anger clouds your judgment. If anything, if you need to choose an emotion to drive under the influence of, it might actually be better to drive scared because then your fight or flight responses start kicking in and you get the ability to get more information from your surroundings. Yeah, don't yeah, don't drive uh don't, don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Don't drive mad. Don't even don't even watch the movie Drive Angry. <laughs> oh, I enjoyed it. Oh. I honestly enjoyed that. <laughs> William Fickner. Really good. Really good in that movie. Really good supporting cast. 
right. So, uh, all right. Once again, I gotta thank you for being on with us today. And um, yeah, where can our listeners hear more of you? Well, the best place to listen to us would have to be one of the major podcast sources: iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of those places. But if you want more of us, like access to earlier seasons you can go to our website which is madmaxminute.com you can find all of season one and season two on there the way our back catalog goes with those other services you only get the latest 100 episodes so find all of our old stuff on the website if you want to contact us we're on twitter at madmaxminute we're also on facebook if that's still your thing search for madmaxminute there and you can find our listener page madmaxminute beyond microphone Awesome. Where we go beyond the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an excellent podcast. It's a great series of movies, the the Mad Max movies, and it's a great podcast. So I encourage people if you haven't listened out there, when you're done with with us, you need something to do on Mondays because we're only four days a week. Pop on over to the the Mad Max Minute and and check them out. So yeah, so Rick and Julio, can we get you? Can we get you back one more day at least? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We wouldn't we miss tomorrow that. for anything. All right. Fan- yeah, we got to see how this, uh, the exciting conclusion of our wonderful chase. So come on back tomorrow. Listeners, you folks out there in podcast land, please come back tomorrow as well. And so we will see you tomorrow, if there is one. Oh, this ought to be good. <laughs>